What's up, everybody? Welcome to the BT Podcast, hosted by BT Church. My name is Danny. I'm your online pastor uh, and really excited about today's conversation. Uh, I want to pause and say thank you for joining us. Maybe you guys are watching on YouTube, you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Uh, We pray this conversation is a blessing to you. Uh, And if it does bless you, believe it's going to bless somebody else and share it on your social media platforms as well. Uh, For today's episode, we have uh, on the BT Podcast our very own senior pastor, Chris Dupree with us. Say what's up to everybody, man. Hey, what's up, everybody? Uh, I want to pause and apologize to you. Um, so it took 15 episodes to finally get you onto the podcast. Uh, and so for that, I want to say that uh, I'm sorry. I feel like you probably should have been episode one, but that's <laughs> that's totally cool. Uh, nothing personal. I'm sure our schedules were just, you know, didn't align or whatever the case may be. Uh, but man, I'm excited for to hear uh, specifically about this topic of productivity today uh, from you. But also just kind of want to uh, save hopefully for this next season, we have a, a consistent voice of you being on our podcast. Um, and it's really cool because a lot of people maybe who come to be church, maybe listeners of the podcast, uh, they know you kind of as the man on stage, the person behind the pulpit, uh, the one delivering the sermons every Sunday. And so from this platform, they get to kind of hear uh, a different perspective about who you are uh, outside of sharing illustrations on a Sunday sermon. Um, So uh, yeah, I'm excited about today. Uh, And so what we're going to do today is kind of talk about, uh, you know, it's a new year, January 2022. Uh, It's a great time for a lot of people to kind of reset, to restart. They set new goals. People start reading Genesis right now. Uh, but of course, then comes Leviticus. Amen. Uh, so good luck on that one, folks. Uh, but also people, you know, they're, they're getting gym memberships. They're doing all that stuff. Uh, so it's a great time to kind of set those goals. And really the overarching thing that people want to do is they want to be productive. Uh, they want they want to accomplish a task list, so yeah. to speak. And so we're going to talk about today the art of productivity. Um, and, and I think you have a lot of really good stuff to say about this topic because for you, um, one, being a husband, father of, of four kids, um, I know for you, your schedule is just is insane. Yeah. Um, recently, we, we tried to uh, schedule time to go watch Spider-Man No Way Home. Uh, and I remember in our group chat with me, you, uh, Christy, and Summer, uh, we're like, how about Monday? You're like, there's a sports game that day and Kana has a basketball game and Noah has this. Um, and so I was just like, just tell us what day works. And so, uh, you know, so I can't begin to understand uh, the flow of your schedule. But also on top of that, you're a pastor of a church of 2000 people. You lead a staff of about 50 people. Sunday comes every single week. So yeah. putting out a sermon every single time. Um, and so, yeah, you got a lot going on. Yeah, uh, I, I just got real tired right now. <laughs> listen to you say that. So a cup of coffee will help you. Okay. Um, and so the kind of initial question I have for you when we talk about this topic of productivity is what have you learned throughout kind of your pastoral time? Kind of you've been in pastoral ministry for how long? 21 years. 21 years of pastoral ministry. What are some things you've learned throughout that pastoral time uh, to kind of really practice uh, productivity? Have you tried different things? Do you stick to the same thing, so yeah. to speak? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I'd say on what I've learned, uh, let me start there. Um, you know, a lot of people you said are goal setters. Mm-hmm. Not everybody, but you know, a lot of people. That that's me. Like that's my DNA. Uh, I, I feel like I lean into kind of a visionary approach to leadership. Uh, and so, man, I love setting goals. Yeah. I just I love. Hey, what's the what's the mountain we're gonna take? What I've learned along the way, though, and this is true for myself, but it's probably true for a lot of people, is. Uh, goals are great. I mean, to you know, to not set a goal. I mean, Proverbs twenty nine eighteen. Mm-hmm. You know, if there is no vision, people perish. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so, goals are necessary. But but if goals are continually set without a process of productivity, they're just a lie. Yeah. They they will never be accomplished. That's and good. and I had to realize that because uh, I felt like uh, I feel like I'm a pretty good goal setter. And uh, early on in ministry, you know, I was trying to 
take on the world young, going to school, getting my master's degree, starting out in youth ministry, um, newly married, and you know I was going to change the world. And uh, what I realized is that um, if I don't put some processes in place and, 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 and kind of put some discipline behind it, mm-hmm. th- then it's never going to happen. And so productivity uh, is not the antithesis to goals, right? Yeah. Uh, it's the means by which goals become a reality. Come on. And, and so uh, show me a goal setter who's not productive, and I'll show you a, I'll show you a dreamer. Mm. Um, and there's nothing wrong with dreams, right? But, but they've got to get put into action. So early on, I learned that um, <clears throat> vision is great, but it only gets you so far. Yeah. Uh, there's a, a Scottish historian, uh, I believe his name is Thomas Carlyle, and he would say that undoubtedly our greatest business is not seeing what lies dimly ahead, but doing what is clearly mm. at hand. Yeah. And it's that tension, right? I mean, you, you, the it's kind of cliche, but you know, yesterday's history and tomorrow's a mystery. We've got today, yeah. And, and so there's a place for the goal setting, but without that process, you know, Genesis, man, that was great. Fifty chapters of narrative, Exodus, cool story. Oh wow, there's 630 laws that I have to read, and you know, and it's sad because so many people never actually get to the beauty of the prophets or the mm-hmm. New Testament. But right. Uh, so I learned that. Um, I also learned that you got to be gracious with yourself. Yeah. Uh, th- there's listen. There's a place where people just they're just lazy. Okay. Like I'm just gonna be honest. Um, and, and obviously you, you got to address that and you got to do something about it. But but between being lazy and, and being like over consumed with busyness, there, there's a there's a sweet spot of productivity. And the only way to stay there is to know you're gonna mess up. In 21 years, I have. I've had some really great seasons of just being on top of it, having a great calendar system, mm-hmm. um, having you know someone help me with that, and, and really feeling like I am maximizing who I am in all the arenas of my life. <clears throat> Excuse me. I've also had a lot of seasons where I just didn't feel that way. And uh, the key is to know, like, you're going to fail. You're going to miss the morning workout. Yeah. You're going to you know, not keep, like for me, I get kind of OCD. You're not going to keep every appointment you set on your calendar. You're going to miss that scheduled reading time or vision mm-hmm. time or study time. And you just got to, you got to forgive yourself. I'm my own worst critic. And this is a hard one for me still today. I, I'm in a season right now. So transparency of not being super disciplined. Yeah. And uh, one of the reasons why it's been a longer season, just being honest, it's, it's been about four months of not being real disciplined. Um, one of the reasons why it's been that long is because I've been beating myself up over and over again mm. about my failure to be disciplined and productive. Um, and so again, I'd say, uh, you know, you, you, you got to move past goal setting and have a process of productivity. You've got to be gracious with yourself. Yeah. And then one thing I just want to throw out there is, man, you got to have accountability. Mm. And so, you know, it could be a friend, uh, a spouse, someone needs to be having the ability to know what you're setting out to do and plain and simple asking if you're doing it. And so like for me, my, my wife, Christy, obviously she's highly involved in, what happens? She'll ask me what I did that day, and she knows if I'm kind of frustrated with my answer, that means I didn't do what I wanted to do. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then what I learned also is just, and not everyone has this luxury, I get it. Like, I have an assistant, Cynthia. She's she's awesome. You know her. She's the boss. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just realized it's, it's not a failure to rely on her for me to have a successful, again, process of productivity and specifically a calendar. And so... Um, probably drives her crazy about twice a year. We reset. I'm like, delete everything off my calendar. And she's like, you know, I spent all that time, just delete everything. We're going to take a morning and we're, and for me, it's like by the hour, we're going to plan out. Um, and so, but with that comes accountability. Cause yeah. every Monday when I'm in a good season, every Monday we have a 30 minute meeting and it's like, Hey, what do I have going on this week? Um, and then the last thing I'll say also just, um, to encourage people is sometimes we get so, 
consumed with this notion of productivity and we want to schedule every minute of every day. And, right. and some people, that's how it works. What I would say, probably most people aren't that way. Um, and so two things I would say. One, just remember that, that productivity is measured in minutes, but life is measured in moments. Mm. And so don't ever forget that. Um, but also for me, what's a great balance is to set a long schedule. What I mean by that is maybe a quarter at a time with big blocks. This is what I'm going to read. This is when I'll study. This is when I'll vision cast. This is, and then this will be open for staff meetings mm. for anybody. And so there's blocks, but also let each week determine kind of the more uh, minute details, yeah, right? The great. macro and micro. So those are some of the things I've learned. That's awesome. Um, and it's, it's interesting too, looking at the topic of productivity, like these are, um, I mean, you just see an abundance of resources being put out on this topic, whether it's leadership or resources. Uh, and a lot of it is due to these stats. And so I'll just kind of read these stats for us. Uh, 82% of executives and CEOs say that they leave office mentally depleted and exhausted. 49% that they say they struggle with rest and sleep. Uh, in an article by Gallup interviewing 7,500 employees, more than 70% of adults in their 20s and 30s are feeling some level of burnout. Uh, and that one stats me a lot because that's like, or you're in your 20s, like you're barely starting your yep. career. <laughs> yeah, long way to <laughs> and go. you're already feeling that level of burnout. Um, and, and it's interesting too, because it's like, well, one, if you're a CEO, like you have to, it's like <clears throat> you're required to put out some sort of leadership or productivity book right. now. Uh, but then there's still so many resources coming out. Uh, you have, you know, seven habits of highly effective people, atomic habits. See these stats. We, we see all these books and all these sort of things. Uh, I want to know, like for you personally, ha has there been like a book that's on productivity that you've read that you're like, not just enjoyed reading it, right. but it's like, man, I want to put these practices in place for my life. Yeah. Uh, and so that's always like one of the hardest questions for me, because like yourself, I tried to be a pretty avid reader. Um, and somebody will say, hey, you know, what are you reading right now? That's the easy question to answer. Mm -hmm. But they'll be like, hey, what's the best book you've read on this? I'm like, oh, oh yeah. And so um, when it comes to books I've read about productivity um, or discipline, because they're kind of related... Um, some of the mainstays for me, you mentioned one, uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, old book, like been around forever. Stephen Covey wrote it. Um, I read that book probably my first year in ministry, I think it was mm -hmm. given to me. So like 2001, uh, first time, first year full-time ministry in the church. And uh, it's a great book, won't spoil it. But there, for me, every time I read a book, um, I just look for like, what's one thing yeah, like that made that worth my time? Because I just invested, you know, several hours, sometimes several days to reading I'm not going to probably enjoy the entire book. What's the one thing? Mm, and so obviously the book, Seven Habits, Highly Effective People. There are two habits that for me, I've tried to apply to my life ever since I read it the first time. I've probably read the book at least seven times. Wow. Um, the second habit that he mentions is begin with the end in mind. And if, if the <clears throat> listeners will just take that nugget away today, mm -hmm. no matter what you're working on a sermon, uh, working on a staff meeting, uh, working on a term paper, what, working on your goals, working on, hey, I want to you know, achieve this fitness goal. Uh, we tend to be, not, not everyone, but we tend to be pretty good at like coming up with the goal we want to achieve. Yeah. But we think about the beginning of it. Like, hey, I want to read the Bible this year. Genesis, Leviticus, right? right? And so the premise of begin with the end in mind. And so the the goal is the beginning, but, but what's that end? Mm -hmm. Because sometimes we set goals and the truth is when we think about the end, it really changes whether or not we want to achieve that goal because the end doesn't seem that beneficial. And so the second habit is begin with the end in mind. And then the seventh habit is sharpen the saw. And mm -hmm. I think we'll talk about this later in the podcast, but the premise of sharpen the saw is, is, is time away. It's, you know, for the business person, the time away from the office, it's the, the, the work life, work, family, 
work work hobby balance. Yeah. And so sharpening your saw when you're actually not sometimes people think well, that means you're getting better at your job skills. Mm-hmm. But the premise of the 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 book is that sharpening the saw is is actually when you're doing things out of your job skills. Got it. Yeah. So uh, Seven Habits, uh, another good book, Four Disciplines of Execution. Uh, there's several authors. Sean Covey's one of them. Um, and then I don't remember the first name. McChesney is uh, another one. That's another one that's pretty big. Uh, Measure What Matters by John Doerr. A great book. Uh, kind of deals with management principles. But the truth is they apply to life. Um, and then uh, most recently I read Mark Batterson's Win the Day. Mm. And so because that's fresh, that's just been a really... Yeah. And I like the way Batterson writes. He's uh, the other; those other books are kind of more corporate minded. Uh, Batterson's a pastor, so he kind of has a thought process like mine. Okay. Uh, so those would be the books that I would say. I mean, you mentioned *Atomic Habits*. There's so many. I mean, we can right. spend the whole podcast talking about books. Um, but those are ones that are both kind of mainstays for me, and then what I've most recently read that really impacted me in this area. Yeah, that's good. Uh, I kind of have a follow up question there. So there's, like I said, uh, there's a lot of resources out there that that anybody can find. Um, and a lot of them maybe come from like a CEO world, yep. um, cultural world type of thing. Um, and then you have some, like you said, Mark Batterson, where he, he comes from a more pastoral perspective. Um, do you think there's any dangers and in, in, if, if there's any pastors listening to this, any ministry leaders, of reading those culturally CEO type books versus a more spiritually minded book? That's a good question. Um, I don't think there's danger in reading those books. I think there's danger in only reading those books. Got it. And so I do think there's a little bit of a shift, um, which hasn't been bad. The last 20 years, there's been a shift in pastoral ministry, um, particularly like with, with what I would consider high-capacity people, to begin to kind of digest non-pastoral books, which is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, John Maxwell, which some people could argue, I mean, because he was a pastor, then he became kind of a leadership guru. Um, but John Maxwell, you know, couple decades ago really came on the scene. Of course, a lot of those books I mentioned, I think four books, three of those are from a corporate vantage point. Right. Um, so there's no there's no uh, real danger. There, there, people don't want to hear this. There is a business side to church mm. um, there, or to leadership. Yeah. But I do think sometimes that pendulum goes too far the other way. We are about a different kind of business. Um, and when the church becomes a corporation, we lose, we lose the mission. Um, so I think just got to be mindful of that. And you didn't ask this question, but just another thing I'd say as we're talking about resources and the subject of productivity, there are so many resources out there. You said, you know, you just read at your best. I, I just picked that one up. I'm looking forward to getting into it. And, you know, you said, well, you feel productive when you read them. Yeah. I, I definitely uh, feel the same way, but sometimes also I read them and one of two things happens. One, because I am my, my own worst critic. I'll read a book. I'm like, oh man, mm. I suck. Can I say suck? I suck because I didn't. You can say that. I didn't, uh, I'm not doing this. Or I'll read it and I'll be like, that's what I need to do. Like, I've been doing this, but that's better. Mm-hmm. And, and so the comparison game is so dangerous. And what I'm, what I'm getting at is it's great to, to, you know, avail ourselves of those resources, but we, you have to be you. Like, you have to be you when it, when it comes to the subject of productivity. Like, like I'm not Kerry Newhoff. Uh, I, I'm not Stephen Covey. I'm not John Maxwell. I can glean the transferable principle. But there's, I think there's a lot of danger. Why a lot of people actually aren't productive is because they're spinning their wheels trying to be productive yeah. by matching what someone else does. Right. And so I think we should have to be careful when we take in so much content to stay true to how we operate. Like if someone's not a, a naturally super organized person, you know, then then someone who's writing from like a Patrick Lencioni, great. The dude's like off the charts on his organizational structure. Mm-hmm. Like I'm never going to be Lencioni. I can read him and transfer some principles. 
but the danger is I, if I feel like I have to be that, it's just not going to happen. Right. Yeah. That's good. I love that. Uh, and I think one of the biggest things that <clears throat> kind of separates the, the pastoral world, the church world from the business world, um, really is the, the practice of Sabbath. Yep. Uh, cause you think about, um, productivity is always about getting things done. You, you want to, you write out a task list. You want to go after that list. You want to finalize it, everything. And even though things get added every single day. But I think one of the myths of productivity is the constant need to like stay moving, to mm-hmm. stay doing, and, and you kind of alluded this, to this already. Um, and really like to never stop. It's that constant hustle, I got to keep going, got to keep going type of thing. So you feel more productive. Um, and so really thinking about, uh, and not just like for pastors, but for anybody listening that it's just like, I'm a Christian mom, I'm a Christian dad, just trying to be a good parent, <laughs> um, but also want to be productive in, in my work, in my family. Um, so in all of that, why is stopping important? Yeah. Um, so really at the end of the day, the temptation to always be doing something, uh, and, and you know, there's always the tyranny of the urgent, right? Um, but but the danger is, you said there's 20-year-olds dealing with burnout, like mm-hmm. no one no matter how gifted they are, you know, like I, I read about what Elon Musk's kind of fifty thousand dollar house, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but but kind of his work schedule. But what's interesting is like if you kind of track him, several years ago he talked about I think getting like four or five hours of sleep. But here, just most recently, he's like, oh, I need about eight. Yeah. And so the challenge with never stopping is that you're you're not going to be productive. You're you're going to end up compromising your life somewhere. So, like, from a ministry context, most moral failure mm. can be traced yeah. to a lack of Sabbath in someone's life. I mean, you can only live your life at warp speed for so long before you warp your soul. Yeah. And so you've got to stop. What's interesting is that I think today, even the context of Sabbath is somewhat overwhelming people, mm-hmm. specific, specifically in, like, the church context. Because now we're getting, for the first time, I would say, we're getting some really good resources to talk about Sabbath. I know you're a big fan of, uh, like, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Mm. Great book. Uh, there are there, there's really several um, resources that have been put out in the last few years, but there's a challenge there as well, um, because you, we can read those books and be like, oh, well, you know, you, you can read the productivity books. I don't do enough, right. and you can read those. Oh, I don't rest enough. Yes, and, and the challenge is just finding those rhythms. One of the things that I thought about this That's this good. past year. So I, I took a sabbatical last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so six weeks, first time in twenty at that time twenty years that I took that extended period of time off. Um, didn't have like a a schedule that I had to follow. Um, but one of the things that I spent some time during that, that, that season trying to find is, is, you know, rest is an elusive reality. People, well, people are always asking, well, how do you rest or how can I rest? And, and, you know, it's that sharpening the saw there's a lot of aspects to Sabbath. Um, I began to ask myself, there's a phrase one day I'll write about it, but I don't know when that'll happen. Uh, I'm calling it, I'm calling it the, the essential exhale, right? Because, we can talk about the, we got to sleep. Obviously, there's certain things that are just like anatomical realities. If you don't sleep, you're not going to be productive. But I think a lot of people never actually do the hard work of finding out how they recharge. Like there's the slow charge yeah. and the fast charge. That's good. And, and so for me, you know, like I like, like to play golf. Like we go play golf. Like I don't rest when I play golf. I get mad when I play golf. Right. Right. Cause, Why do you get mad? Because uh, I'm not Tiger Woods. <laughs> and and so. Or Charlie Woods. Or, 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 yeah, or Charlie Woods. I'll, I'll take, I would take that. I enjoy it, right? But but it doesn't charge me up. Yeah. And so I spent some time really trying to think through what are some, you know, I enjoy spending time with my family. But again, you said I have four kids. Sometimes I actually, that can be draining. Mm. Um, and, and so I think it's just, it's finding what works for you on the rest side of things to help you be productive when you're on 
when you're on the clock, so to speak, and and feeling okay with that. So like for me, what I found is I love to read, but one of the things that that actually is part of my Sabbath is is mowing my yard. Yeah. Like, well, that's not resting. It's just something. I mean, it's something that that I share with my dad. You know, he's he's passed away, and so it reminds me of time with him. But also because the work of ministry, like so little of what we do is actually done ever. And I love the fact that I can wake up on a Friday morning, like mow my yard, and two or three hours later, it's done. Like yeah. I can see that. You and so, a, a so all that to say, I think it's just, you, you talked about rest. It's, it, it's critical for the soul, no matter if you're in business or ministry, a student. But you, you, it's funny, we're talking about rest, but there is some work involved to find out how you best recharge. That's good. So. I would love to kind of get into a little bit. Um, I've honestly been wanting to talk to you about this for a while, but you mentioned that you took a Sabbath for six weeks. It was uh, kind of over the summertime leading mm-hmm. up to the fall semester. Uh, you said it was like your first time. Um, I would love to kind of hear from you because um, I think that idea of Sabbath to like a business-minded person yeah. may not make sense. Sure. They're like, oh, a vacation makes sense. Go take a week off, whatever the case may be. Um, and so what's like, a, I guess, the purpose of Sabbath? Um, and then even thinking about the like the length and the time of which you, of, you, you took your Sabbath, but also like what were some of the... Um, difficulties of that because i know for you as your personality like you you're a highly um effective person you want to go after these goals but then a sabbath is literally you kind of went from going 100 miles an hour to almost like stopping yeah um and so i'd love to hear kind of the tension that maybe you face but also like the joy that you face in that time sure um and so yeah it's kind of a foreign concept so we you know we talk about let's clarify some of the terms talk about sabbath and 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 sabbath can be it can be a day a week. It could be a half a day. It could mm-hmm. be, you know, Sabbath is everyone, regardless of what arena they're in, they need to practice Sabbath. Yeah. Uh, in the church world, it's not really in the business world. We we kind of amend the word. We call it sabbatical, and uh, not every church does it. But um, it's when a church, the leadership of a church, uh, would will graciously allow you know the pastor or staff members to have an extended time of Sabbath, four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks. I've heard of some being twelve or mm. you know six months long. Um, I know some churches that don't do that, and I'm not saying it's do or don't, but uh, obviously the business world, it's it's like you said, kind of unheard of. Some of those stats you said earlier about all the burnout in, in the corporate world, part of me thinks that mm. maybe if the corporate world would take the model of a sabbatical, an extended, not vacation, but right. an extended time off, maybe we would see those numbers drop. Um, and so for me, it was six weeks. It's, it wasn't a vacation. I mean, there's there's vacation elements. My family, we went uh, to the island for for a week, and so that was a good time. But for our church, when we instituted a sabbatical policy several years ago, it, it wasn't to give staff members more vacation time. It was to give staff members time to reevaluate, reassess, mm. um, you know, reconnect sometimes. Yeah. And so for me, uh, I could talk a long time about this, but just to kind of be brief, going into it, my goal was um, to reconnect with some ministry uh, leaders or just people in my life. And so like I, I went and spent um, uh, half a day with my Greek professor from college. Uh, I accepted Christ in college, immediately became a biblical languages major. And so Log- this guy, Logically, yeah. yeah <laughs> uh, so the, yeah, so this guy, uh, Dr. Gary Gramling at Howard Payne University, uh, I was in his classes and he just had a profound impact on me and specifically my desire to know God's word. Mm-hmm. And, and re- I haven't sat down with him since 2001 when I graduated. And so 20 years later, reconnecting with him, I, I connected with others. Um, also kind of reaffirming my call, right? It's been 20, at that point, I've been 20 years, 10 years student ministry, 10 years as a senior pastor, and just, you know, God, you have my yes, what's next? Um, 
but but kind of the rhythm, the more practical side of it, you know, you say what was hard. Um, and so what I did is as soon as I took sabbatical, I immediately went out of town. And so part of the time I wanted to be alone and then part time I wanted to be with my family. And uh, so I drove to Dallas, spent some time with my brother, but I, I ended up early on in the first week of my sabbatical, I flew to New York. Some people go to, you know, you know, secluded cabins. Yep. I get that. I, I, I want to be alone, but I want to be around people. That's just kind of my, I like the urban setting. Yeah. So, so I went to New York uh, by myself and, you know, I flew in on a Saturday. I won't go into all the details, but things like I flew in and I checked my email and my hotel was canceled. <laughs> I'm like, so I'm frustrated. Right? Yeah. I'm like, oh man. And I got there on Saturday and I really just kind of aimlessly walked around Manhattan because I already, you said, I already was like, man, I'm not doing anything. I'm not productive. This is dumb. I came by myself. I'm ready to go home. And it really took me Saturday and, and a little bit of Sunday morning to kind of get out of that. Hmm. And, and then the rest of the time, that, that, that time, it was about five days in New York, that time really set me up well for the rest of my sabbatical because what I did is what I would love to do, but I just, I don't have the luxury of doing because I have a job. Mm-hmm. And so people ask me, hey, what'd you do in New York? I'm like, well, I, uh, I read. <laughs> and that's all I did. I mean, I, yeah. I stayed down, um, you know, kind of by Madison Square Garden area. And I just woke up in the morning. I walked to a park and I, I read till it got dark. Mm-hmm. And maybe I'd go to a different park. I'd go eat lunch. And um, so for me, reading is one of those slow charge things. And so what I did to start my sabbatical for about five days is just stayed plugged into a slow charger. Nice. And, uh, that really set me up well um, to maximize the rest of the time. One thing, just kind of in closing, if anybody is coming up to maybe to their first sabbatical that that I didn't do well, honestly, is I don't think sabbatical means you abandon all of your routines and disciplines. Mm. And I did. Yeah. And so for the first time in, in 20 years, I lived a completely undisciplined, yeah. you know, I didn't work out, I didn't eat well, I didn't, I stayed up late, I slept late, I, you know, I had no measures of productivity. I don't think any extended period of time with no measures... Okay. I mean, I read a lot. That mm-hmm. was that was productive. But uh, what I'm saying is that my life is fast paced. I mean, I've got kids, and school was starting, and you know, pastoring a church, and I don't think it served me well to not kind of build back into my rhythm some productive discipline. Because when I came out of sabbatical, it was 100 miles an hour, and it's been that since. And that's why I said at the beginning of the podcast that I've kind of felt like I've been in a season of not maximizing productivity because it's it. It's taken me a long time yeah. to reestablish those rhythms uh, and those processes of productivity. Mm, that's good. I love hearing all that. Uh, and I think it's it's good for our people to hear that too, um, kind of how that went for you really. Because um, I, I know people heard that and, and you were gone for a season and then you came back and all that stuff. And yeah. so, uh, one of the things you mentioned earlier is that uh, the, the kind of recent book you just read, Mark Batterson, uh, Win the Day, has kind of been like uh, a high for you. You yeah. just read it, motivational. Uh, for me, that has been uh, Carrie Newhoff's At Your Best. Yeah. You know, uh, I mentioned earlier that I get kind of excited reading a productivity book because then I feel productive even though I don't implement anything <laughs> a lot of the times. Um, but for this one, I- would be gracious, I, man. That's true. Yeah, yeah I, I'm okay. Um, I do feel like for this one, um, it just kind of clicked a little different. Yeah. Uh, I love the kind of layout of the different zones. Right. Um, and so you look at the green zone, yellow zone, red zone, and you're kind of trying to identify when you're at your best. Green zone being like, all right, this is a zone. No one's going to bother me. I'm going to dream. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write. It's kind of whatever you do as far as your, your, your job and your position. Uh, 
passion, your passions. And then obviously red zone is like, don't talk to me. I'm not going to make an important decision right, right. now. Um, and so kind of thinking about you personally, um, what are some of the best hours of your day when you feel like your mind is fresh, you're passionate about something, you're writing your best material sermons or whatever the case may be. Uh, and then kind of on the flip side of that, what do you feel like are maybe your worst hours where you're like, yeah, I'm not going to make an important decision right now. Yeah. Uh, I would say in the season that I'm in and I'll, I'll come back to this because I think those zones change as we go through different seasons of life. Yeah. Um, the season that I'm in, my green zone is, and you know, there's some fluctuation, but it's going to be somewhere in the 8 a.m. to around noon to one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some people, they like, they get out of the bed and man, grab the laptop. I got to go right now. I, yeah. I had this dream and I've got to, you know, like, <laughs> I'm just trying to sleep at night. Yeah. I mean, uh, and so that's not me. I, when I get up, I, I, I want to accomplish a task. Um, that just makes me, you know, kind of feel uh, good about that day. So when I'm really kind of firing all cylinders, that's a, that's a workout. So I get up and exercise. And, and for me, it's just, uh, again, sometimes life will dictate those zones and it may not be your natural zone, but your, your, your body and your mind adapts. Like yeah. I can't really make earlier than eight my green zone yeah. because I'm going to get up and I need some time to like wake up. So for me, that's working out, getting the shower, those things. But then around 6 to 6.30 a.m., like it's 100 miles an hour at my house because mm. uh, I, I try to help take the load off of Christy. As she's, you know, she's a school teacher, and so she has things she's got to get ready for that morning. So I, man, I try to get breakfast made for the four kids. I try to get lunches packed, um, get backpacks packed up, and then it's out the door to get people dropped off and then try to get uh, here at the church you know, in, in that 8 o'clock window. That's good. Uh, so yeah, that, that time frame is when I try to really have some, some time during the week where... I tell Cynthia, hey, this is like I'm not available. Um, I need this time to to be writing, to be studying, uh, to maximize some some of my potential and productivity. What's interesting to me is that 15 years ago, I would have said that that if 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. is right now, 15 years ago I would have said it was 8 p.m. to 1 a.m. Yeah, and uh, that was I mean I became a night person in college, did a lot of studying, of course a lot of procrastination. So, <laughs> um, but you know before I had kids, that was just a window where for whatever reason, I felt ready to go. And so I was working all the time. I was in school, part mm-hmm. of that. and um, But I really did. I and mean, I would stay up, I stayed up real late and uh, got a lot of stuff done. And and for me, I'll, I'll just say this to wrap, the, wrap up. We have to let ourselves go through that season of transition. Yeah. And, and so for me, right, when I was 25, didn't have kids, you know, midnight, like I was just getting started. Yeah. You know, at 42 with four kids, I'm like midnight, <laughs> oh my god i'm already thinking about all the sleep i'm not getting right you know yeah. and and you know my i gotta wear reading glasses now and so it's harder to read at night my eyes get tired and so i probably delayed maximizing some of my green zone transition mm. because out of pride i was like no i'm a night person right and i had a window where um i kind of delayed it you know nature took over and i had to accept the fact because i was falling asleep at the kitchen table trying to work <laughs> but uh yeah so i'd say a long answer there but i'd say that 8 a.m to right right after lunch that's good yeah i love the you said kind of that like be okay adjusting depend depending on your season of life because yeah. for probably uh like you said a young adult who is maybe going to bible college that they're gonna they're gonna love that night time frame they're gonna stay in bed till 10 11 a.m something like that um but you have to adjust as as the season approaches and i think if we're not willing to adjust that's when maybe anxiety is going to click in for sure uh because then what happens is you feel like for so long i've been this way now i have to be this way and and i I don't like change and adjusting yeah and so yeah i love that just kind of the whole even going back to the beginning of being gracious to yourself mm-hmm. when it comes to this topic of uh, productivity. Uh, last question for you, bro. Yep. Um, 
looking at 2022, what are some of your personal goals that you want to try to go after? Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, I said earlier, big goal person. Uh, usually by now I've got, you know, I try not to make a bunch of them because that's just not going to be realistic. Um, but I usually have like three in, you know, ministry, three in personal, whatever. Mm. Um, <clears throat> I've always got a reading goal, but but really I'm, I'm taking a different approach this year. And what's different for me is I don't have this big list of goals that I want to accomplish necessarily right now. My biggest my biggest goal, as I shared earlier, you know, just I've, I'm coming out of a season of not being really disciplined and, you know, discipline will always be connected to productivity. Mm-hmm. And, and I believe that um, disciplined productivity will also be connected to rest be- because if you're not getting stuff done, guess what you're doing? You're working all the time. Yeah, and good. so for me, it's getting back to that. And so it's, you know, I've talked to Cynthia. I was like, Hey, get ready. First, first day back in the office <laughs> that morning, we're doing the calendar reset. Yeah. So it's prepping for that. It's, it's being mindful of that. Um, and and accepting the discipline, talking with my wife about how I want to you know, maximize, do better next year. Um, a resource I didn't mention earlier: there's a guy named Michael Hyatt. Um, has some great books. He's uh, he was a uh, an editor for a Publishing House. Mm-hmm. I don't remember, maybe Thomas Nelson, one of the large publishing houses. A uh, really productive guy. He he writes a lot about like productive meetings and stuff like that. Um, he has a resource, of course, you got to buy it, um, and it's called the Full Focus Planner. It's kind of old school. It's like pen and paper notebook, mm-hmm. right? Um, and it's it's set up to take a quarter at a time. And the premise of it is you set annual goals, but then you break the annual goals into quarterly mm. objectives, That's so good. to speak, that you're going to tackle. And uh, it only works if you you got to like you really got to carry it with you everywhere. And so every morning you got to get into the journal, and every night you have to get into the journal. Um, and so when I've done that, I've done that for a few seasons and done it really faithfully. Uh, when I, for me personally, when I've kind of maximized that full fo- focus journal, have probably been my most productive yeah. and most restful mm. um, season. So that's a go- like a, a big goal for me is just being more disciplined yeah, again. Um, and then I am starting school uh, mm. in January after a 17 year break. Uh, that's a long. What are you doing? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm going to uh, finally a dream of mine pursue a doctorate degree. Mm. And so, Doctor Chris Dupree. Yeah, that's why I'm doing it. Really that's is. Cool. Uh, I want my wife to call me Dr. Chris. So. <laughs> We're going to have to change all the business cards up front. Um, no. Man, it's good. I, I love the, well, one, praying for the school journey. Um, Thanks. Because that's, now you're going to have to adjust your entire calendar again to be, be productive now in school yeah. along with everything else. Uh, so that, that'll be a fun season to hear from. Um, I don't but know I, fun is what I would call it. <laughs> I love the the goal settings you have for yourself are more kind of, uh, a lifestyle goal versus like maybe like like I want to do this specific thing, right? Um, and and I I feel like I heard this maybe in a podcast somewhere, but um, but this idea like yeah we can set a goal to run a marathon, which why right yeah, yeah. it's like that seems impossible. probably sinful. Um, but or you can set a goal of becoming a runner, and so because yeah. then when you accomplish that one goal, you're like all right, what do I do now? Um, but they're kind of more of of that journey, rhythm, lifestyle, developing that lifestyle versus just trying to accomplish like one thing yeah. uh, can kind of be more beneficial maybe for the long run uh, in your physical health, spiritual health, whatever goals you have. So, uh, man, thank you so much for sure. joining us today for the episode. That was um, great. Yeah, and I know for me, I got a lot of, out of a lot out of it. If Hopefully the listeners did. If they didn't, well, watch it again. I don't know. Um, But it was good. So as you guys are setting goals for 2022, as you're trying to accomplish things, uh, we pray that, um, that one, your ultimate goal is simply to grow closer to Jesus. Absolutely. Uh, And as you, as you go about work, as you go about life, uh, we pray this conversation was a blessing to you. Yeah. And just to interrupt you one last time. Yeah. You know, 
what you just said is obviously the ultimate goal to, to be like Christ and the whole illustration of the run a marathon versus be a runner. Last thing that I would say is that when you, when you strive for rhythms and processes of productivity and you strive to set goals, one of the things that was transformative for me is, is transitioning from, from thinking about what I want to do and focusing on who I want to be. Yeah, that's good. And let my goals and my calendar and my disciplines shape that. So. That's good. I love that, man. Um, last wisdom nugget there. Uh, and so, man, for everybody listening, thank you all for joining us. Uh, and thank you for being on the yeah, BT man. Podcast.